Hi, my name is Mike Herbster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Psalm 103, here the psalmist, a uh, psalm of David, uh, dealing with uh, God's holy character. Uh, give us a little context here, uh, read a little too much of it, but we'll, read, uh, we'll start reading in verse 6, of uh, Psalm 103 and verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The legacy of life. We all leave a legacy. You know, and that's what he's referring to here in these last verses. The legacy that we leave. You know, the first thing I see is that there's a leaving legacy. Not just a legacy that we leave, but it's a leaving legacy. You know, it's the climax of this legacy is just a temporary twinkle. He says there, as for man, his days are as a grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. You know, man toils and works for self and pleasure and prestige and power, but in the scope of eternity, the greatest accomplishments of man are just simply a glimmer in time, yeah. a speck. Yep. The greatest thing that seems forever, you know, in the, in the sporting arena, we just can't wait. You know, uh, you know, I will say, and I said this last week, I was a little shocked when I came into this new gym that there wasn't a Kansas City Chiefs banner hanging up here. <laughs> Uh, because the Her Mike Herbster, and I know his family, they are Kansas City Chiefs fans. We know lots of folks from our days up there. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, I said, there's got to be a Chiefs banner hanging up someplace. And I, there wasn't. I've been surprised. But, you know, it's you know, as exciting as folks get about their sports team or whatever it is. And there's every year there's a championship. And then it starts all over again. Yeah. And it just starts all over again. 
And then, boy, next year, you know, whatever you're a Cubs fan, whoever, next year, you know, we're going to do it. Next year, it's going to be on. And it's always going to be something. But it's always leaving. That thing that comes, it leaves. And it's only there for a glimmer. Ecclesiastes 1 says, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Man just comes through and then disappears. Left with maybe a name on a tombstone. Left with a foundation. Left with a family name. James 4, 13 uh, following says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You say, boy, this is kind of depressing. Well, no, this is reality. You know, the Lord tells us that if we have uh, three score and ten, uh, we've had a long life. Seventy years, well, it's getting longer, so we get a, some get a bonus. But what is that bonus? Because when we build and we collect and we work towards all of these things, you know, I love going to auctions. I, I, I mean... You know, then I get to the end of one and, you know, the stuff I thought was going to be exciting. It's like, man, that was a waste of a few hours. Then it's like, when's the next one? Uh, you know, you, but, you know, it's so sad to go to an auction of somebody's estate that it could be generations, collectibles, and stuff that, that it was, uh, that there were heirlooms and things that they collected and maybe they saved for years and they couldn't wait till someday and, and now they own this and, and uh, boy, I'm so happy to have it and we have our places full of things, that, trinkets and all kinds of stuff and maybe it's a special tool or a special gun uh, or a special, whatever ladies like, I don't know, but whatever, you know, whatever it is that's, that's there and you just can't wait to have it and you collect it all and then... You're gone. Yeah. And all that special stuff, other people are, yeah. okay, I'll take it home with me. And, and it's just scattered around to somebody else's collection. We can collect money. We can have money in the bank. You know, it's, it's, I've seen it a number of times through the years. Uh, faithful, committed Christians who uh, save and, and develop finances through their lives and to leave it to ungodly family or others that squander it and waste it as they were committed to doing the work of the Lord only to see that which they were entrusted to to be squandered and wasted on ungodly things. And it culminates in this major termination it just goes by the wayside verse 16 he says for the wind passes over and it is gone the place thereof shall know it no more it's the picture of a flock of sheep going through a hillside and leaves it desolate which i saw firsthand in 1988 
the first time I went elk hunting. We lived in Iowa at the time, unsaved at the time. Uh, some guys and I went out archery hunting for elk in Colorado, and we're up on this mountainside, and we're all by ourselves out there, and all of a sudden I can hear somebody in a foreign language uh, yelling, and I hear bells tinkling, and, and we look down, and here comes this massive amount of sheep across this mountainside. And we were in lush, beautiful area up there in the White Mountain National Forest in Colorado and, and, and loving it. And in literally in just a matter of moments, less than an hour, this flock, not a flock, it was bigger than a flock, it was just thousands of sheep came through there and just decimated the whole hillside. And all the foliage was either eaten or trampled and gone. That's the picture. Flowering, you know, you know how important uh, grass is? We, know, we love flowers. We're that time of the year where they're blooming. But have, have you ever gone out into your yard and said, you know, I, I have a favorite blade of grass. You know, you know it just, you know, I, I just, I would hate for that blade of grass to... You know, it just, it's just a special blade of grass. You know, it's a little wider than the other ones. It's a little greener. Uh, it grows a little faster. It's just special to me. And, you know, I'm going to protect that. No, I mean, have you ever? It's, you might have a flower. You say, oh, that one's pretty nice. And, uh, you know, that one's colorful. Oh, I like, the, I like the deep hue of that one. You know, when it comes to our grass, it's just grass. Well, that's what he likens us to. That we're, we're a lot of blades of grass that just come and go and replaced. But, you know, I, I think of those that, uh, because there is a, this uh, terrible termination that takes place, you know, I think of when we were down here when Hurricane Katrina came through back in 2005. Of course, that was the beginning for a number of years after that. We were able to do, we did a bunch of hurricane relief uh, things, you know, Katrina and then Rita and Ike and others that came through. And, and uh, you know, but I remember Katrina came through. And when I went down, uh, I was able to get into Bay of St. Louis, which is, you know, everybody knew, heard about New Orleans, you know, because they flooded. But Bay of St. Louis and Waveland, Miss, uh, Mississippi, they were decimated. They were wiped out. I mean, for half to three quarters of a mile inland, everything was completely leveled, you know, leveled. The trees would stand up, but houses were pushed up in a huge wall. I mean, taller than this wall, you know, for miles. Semi-trailers, you know, were a mile or more out in the, out in the gulf, flipped up, tires sticking up, everything out there. And you see all this decimation and destruction. And I remember I found on this concrete slab that was left, everything was gone. And in the center of this slab sat a crystal bowl without a chip taken out of it. It's like all this destruction and this very fragile piece of glass uh, didn't have a chip taken out of it. But you saw that destruction as we're setting up and, and ministering to people and a, a lady that you, you could tell was used to uh, little finer things of life. She was driving a very nice car. She had on very nice clothes. And, and she came up and she just had a blank stare in her face. And, and, and I said, ma'am, can I help you? And it was like she didn't hear me at first. And, and she was just looking around. And, and I said, ma'am, can I help you? And she said, can you help me? 
uh, I've lost everything. I don't know where my husband's at. Uh, I have this car. I have what I'm wearing. My house is gone. How can you help me? And she had no hope. And everything was wiped out. And if everything that you have is gone, are you concerned about a legacy? For some, they say, well, that was my kid's inheritance. Oh, for some, that was all that I had. That was it. That was the culmination. You know, I, I told the folks before, I said, uh, you know, I read an article about, you know, some of you maybe are baseball fans. You know, there was a famous baseball player by the name of Ted Williams. Uh, Ted Williams, who apparently had a good amount of money, uh, they severed his head and Cryovac froze it in case of someday that there is technology that would allow them to use it and to reconvene him, I guess, uh, to whatever extent they're, they're wanting to do, uh, in hopes of that that is his legacy. But he's gone. But I want you to see, though, in verse 17, that God talks about the lasting legacy. He says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. The lasting legacy consists of timeless truths. Only what's done for Christ will last. All of the things of this world, are we, are we choosing to leave a lasting legacy or a leaving legacy? One that is going to last for all eternity. It consists of those timeless truths in redemption. If you're here in Psalm 103, look over at Psalm 107. Psalm 107 is uh, really, um, I don't know if I shared it with you, but when I was first saved, did I tell you, uh, I hated Psalms. And I mean, I'm just being honest. I, I, I could not stand to read Psalms because when I read Psalms as an early Christian, as a young Christian, to me, it just sounded like a lot of whining. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I just, yeah, I don't want to read a bunch of whining. It just, you know, it just, it just hit me wrong. Well, I mean, I, I've learned differently now. And Psalms are special. And Psalm 107, because uh, Psalm 107, uh, verse 8 through 15, you know, describes me. But, you know, Psalm 107, verse 8, 15, 21, and 31 all say the same thing. But follow along in verse 8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know, the timeless truths are found in God's redemption for us. Salvation, redemption is for all eternity. We will never lose it. We will forever be in his presence. And by the way, that message of redemption 
is the greatest message that we pass on to the next generation. We can't make that choice for anybody. But that's the message. If there's anything, any message that we're going to leave the next generation, it's God's message of redemption. It's God's message of forgiveness and salvation. It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is the message. It can't just be about how much we love somebody because if we love them, we're going to share God's eternal plan with them. Because back there, look what he says in verse 12 of Psalm 103. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah! If you're born again, then we have, that has been removed. And you know, as far as the east is from the west, do you know that those two never meet? You go east, and you're always going east. You never catch up with west. It's impossible. And he says, that's how far removed that it's been. He broke the chains asunder, Psalm 107 says. You know, that's the idea that uh, as he dashed them, it means that he literally dashed them to a, a hundred pieces, never being able to put those chains and binding of sin together again. He has saved us. And that is the message that we need to be aware of. We need to be living. We need to be sharing. But, but, but it consists of timeless truths in his redemption, but also in preservation. John 10, 28 and 29 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are preserved for all eternity. Now, if you ever wonder about the ability of God, you know, Isaiah records for us about the hand of God. So who hath meted out the heavens with the span? Uh, you know, now that's an anthropomorphism, you know, the word for the week, anthropomorphism. It just means, you know, you give human characteristics to uh, inanimate or spirit, and, and God doesn't have hands as we have hands, but if God has hands, uh, the span from here to here, you know, there's the heavens. Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand right here? Yeah, I did a study on it one time, and, and on this earth, there's like 43 quintillion gallons of water. It's a 43 with a whole lot of zeros behind it. You know, it's just it's a number that makes no sense. Uh, you know, just like, oh, that's a big number. Wish that was, a, wish that was in dollars. Uh, you know, of course, that might be our national debt before long. Uh, but who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand? And, you know, have you ever held water in your hand? You can't even hold hardly a thimble full. But 40-some quintillion gallons, he said, that's, that's enough. <laughs> and meted out and measured the mountains with the scale and the dust as a pinch with his fingers. But then he also says that he will sustain us, that he will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness the hand that holds the universe together, the hand that measures the universe is a personal hand that has secured us. And you know, when he says that he'll, he'll hold our hand with the right hand of his righteousness, you know, when a, when a little toddler 
you know, and they're, they're starting to get a little brave and, and they're venturing away and, and all of a sudden they get a little scared. Well, they do, they come right back to mom or dad and they want you, they're going to hold your leg. Of course, it's always funny when you're in a crowd and they grab the wrong leg and then they, ah! Uh, oh, buddy, hold your hand. That toddler, boy, when they're holding on to mom or dad's hand, they're invincible. Yeah, they, they can handle anything now. That's God with us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he'll support us with the, it's like, it's like we're teaching our kids to walk. You know, they're not really walking, by the way, when they're leaning on you, but we parents and grandparents are like, they're taking steps, they're walking. But you know, they're leaning on us. And that's our God with us. And he has preserved us and protected us and redeemed us. And that's the timeless truth. And that's what we're to exemplify to the next generations. You know, as parents, our responsibility isn't just having well-behaved kids. Our responsibility is rearing godly, servant-minded adults. Uh, we, we, when it comes to a legacy, what is the end goal? What is the end goal? And we work towards that. We prayerfully minister towards that. What are we after? Uh, the timeless truths are found in his presence. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's times that we feel alone. But that's God's promise. He will never leave us alone. You know, but we must acknowledge his presence. We must acknowledge he's there. It's much like you know, the Lord's always there. Yeah, I, I look at it when, uh, you remember the account when the disciples were uh, going across the sea and the winds were contrary and it says they were toiling, they were toiling and Jesus came walking by and it wasn't until that they cried out, Lord, help us, that he came, the winds were calm, they were on the other side. But it wasn't until they called out, Lord, help me. He's there to help. His presence is there. His promise is there. He is always there, ready to help. But we have not because we ask not. We're not encouraged because we don't humble ourselves before him and call out and cry out to him. Uh, but it consists of, uh, of the timeless teaching of his word when he says there, uh, his, his uh, mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. You know what our goal is? Not just godly servant-minded adults, but godly servant-minded adults that are passing on a biblical legacy. Godly servant-minded adults that are passing on the truth of God's word, the promises of God, the presence of God, the teaching of God, the importance of God's word. That if there's anything else that we can do, you know, I, I read a thing, uh, I almost read it this earlier today. A fellow, he was teaching his son about his uh, young child had uh, a problem with uh, anger. And so it just kept happening, kept happening. So he, he brought a bag of nails out 
And uh, he told his son, he said, every time you lose your temper, you have to go on the backside of the fence and you have to drive a nail in. Okay? The first day his son drove in 37 nails. I said, boy, you better have a big bag of nails. And he said, every day the son was driving nails. Every day he was driving nails, but he said after a number of days it was becoming less and less. And, and after a, a few weeks, he uh, came back and, and pretty soon his there came a day when the son didn't lose his temper. And his dad said, okay, for every day now that you don't lose your temper, you can, drive, you can pull a nail. But when you lose your temper, you've got to drive it back in. Well, after many months, they came out and all the nails were pulled. And the dad had taught his son, but he had another lesson for him. He said, son, I want you to Look at that fence. All the nails are gone, but look at all the holes and the scars that are still there. And that is exactly what happens when we, you know, we hurt with words and the importance of that. And he was teaching him a lesson, but he was teaching him biblical truths and principles in a lesson. Because the goal is that we're understanding, helping the next generations understand. You know, Acts 3 says that ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. God's righteousness was upon their grandchildren as a result of steadfastly teaching the covenants and commandments of God, not just man's ways and ideas. And the grandchildren were blessed. And the next generations were blessed. Uh, you're there in Psalms, look at Proverbs 22, 6. Um, familiar, most know it. I just want you to see the verse. Because as many of us are or will be, or uh, parents or grandparents, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, one of the dangers for us in trying to train our children is we want them to do what we want them to do. We want them to be what we want them to be. Whatever their strengths and weaknesses are, we want them to fit into whatever peg or hole that we think uh, we want them to be. Some parents try to live through their children relive their younger years through their children and do and be all the things that they wanted to be and, and weren't able to do. That's not our goal. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And the first training is that the way that they should go is to learn to follow God. Because we're not always going to be there. Train them how to make decisions. Train them how to be discerning. Uh, train them how to be trusting. Train them how to step out in faith. Uh, train them uh, to understand the importance of adhering to and being in the word of God. Train them in the way that they should go. And then part of that is seeking wisdom and counsel from others in, in helping to determine uh, their strengths and weaknesses and, and what would be a, a good direction for them. You know, helping them in discerning what a biblical spouse should look like and praying for that future spouse. Yeah, it was a blessing for us when our first daughter, Jessica, got married. And, you know, as we've prayed for our kids and for their future, 
and, and knowing all that uh, we des- longed for and desired. And uh, when we met uh, the Souza family, and the first thing they said as we all sat down, uh, they, they looked at Jessica and they said, as they're uh, engaged, they said, we just want you to know you're an answer to prayer. We've been praying for our children's spouse for some day, as he was an answer to prayer for us. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not soon depart from it. If we leave that proper legacy, um, we must teach our kids, we must teach our grandkids, and we must, uh, and it consists of thoughtfulness, he says, as such as do them and fear him. Deuteronomy 16, 12 says, Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. You know, the, the generations after the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, they forgot. They forgot what the generation was delivered from. They forgot all that went on in Egypt. They forgot all that God did in the wandering. They forgot all that God did when they went into the promised land. Uh, They forgot because it began to wane in the teaching and the example and becoming comfortable. We must keep at the forefront of the next generations the timeless truths and teachings of God's word. Only the Word of God is going to last. Only, only the presence of God is going to carry forward and give victory and help and strength and encouragement. Psalm 33, 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in His grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.